Christ alone. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the setting of the Strong. 
like a hurricane I am
last verse of the song that we sang when it said, I sang sloppy wet kiss, and that's an unforeseen kiss. And this song, there's always that big debate, is that appropriate or whatever. But you know what? It just hits my heart that sometimes love is sloppy. Not the way God approaches it, but how we receive it sometimes. We're not in the best place, so it could be a little sloppy. But I think about times, especially now with my dad in the hospital, that I think of times when I was a little kid and he used to give me a, a kiss on the cheek or something. It was always like, oh, dad, it's all wet and gooky. And... But if you don't have dad anymore, which I'm somewhat in a way trying to maybe prepare for the worst, but expect the best, you know. And I thought, if he's not around any longer, I'm going to miss that wet kiss. And then with, with God, you don't have to worry about that. With Jesus, you don't have to worry about that. With Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about that. He's always going to be there to kiss you and sing over you. He's only capable of good things. Imagine, just for a moment, the things He sings over you while you're sleeping because He loves you so. And to think that you were on His mind when He was on the cross of all the things he could have been thinking about. He could have been thinking, man, my hands and wrists really hurt. I can't breathe. But he loved you so much he was thinking about you and that's the reason he did it. Father God, we thank you so much this morning for sending your son and your son went willingly for us. But Lord, this morning there may be somebody that just needs a hug from you, Lord. They need to know that you're there because sometimes in all the craziness, we start to wonder, God, are you still there? But Father, you're still there. Give that person that hug that they need this morning, that that word of encouragement. Fill us so we can be that person to give that to them. Father God, we give this service to you. We give everything we're about to do, everything that we just did, to you, God, and we lay it at your feet. We lay all of this at your feet. The sermon that is about to come, Lord, we ask that you bless it. Let it be a sweet-smelling savor to you. Let our hearts be open, and we give all of this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, he loves us. Oh, how preach, you have to minister, you have to do all that stuff, and there's a little different dynamic to it, 
for most people, if your father or parent or someone you love is dying or in a very bad situation, Steve's dad is not dying per se, but he is, has contracted pneumonia in the hospital. He was supposed to go to therapy, but he's contracted pneumonia, so now he's in that whole process. And I know how hard it is. Uh, if you're working at General Motors, you can still stamp the thing. If you're in the office, you can still do the accounting, and you can sort of turn off your brain. But sometimes when you're in ministry and you have to still be under the flow of the Holy Spirit, it takes turning off certain parts of your entire being to continue. So I just wanted to pray for Steve one more time and for Dad. And we also want to remember uh, Frank Moorhead just had some skin surgery. Everything went fine, but a bit of an infection in his, in his uh, incisions right now. So we want to make, lift him up as well. But Father, we just thank you so much that uh, we can keep our minds stayed on you. And that's where perfect peace is. And we know that you love us. We know that you love Steve's dad. We know that you love every one of us. We ask again right now for a touch on his body in the name of Jesus. In that hospital room, we command the pneumonia to go, the lungs to clear, and we believe that he will be able to start dealing with that stroke and overcome. We thank you for your victory in that, Father, and for your touch on the entire family, mom, dad, all of them. We ask in Jesus' name and for Frank and for others that are not doing well, we just ask your touch on them as well. We speak healing to them in Jesus' name, knowing that you will undertake. We thank you, Father. We thank you that you love us. You, that, that takes care of everything to know that you love us because that's what it's all about. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise his name. God bless you. You may be seated and ushers, you may come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If there's just one thing that you always can remember is that he loves you. That's the greatest thing to remember. In all those times that you don't understand what in the world is happening, he loves us. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much for that love. We thank you that we can take this moment to return that love to you in a physical way, and that is giving of tithes and offerings. We don't do this grudgingly. We do it willingly, knowing that you bless, you pour out, you give back, so we can continue to give. We ask you bless both gift and giver. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you as you give. And uh, in your bulletins, just remember there is one more reminder if we need an updated um, name and address from you. If you could just fill that out quickly and drop it uh, uh, in the office. There's outside of the office door. There's a there's a basket. You can give it to one of the leaders or elders, and uh, we want to be able to keep track of we, we want to keep track of you uh, because that's important to do. So, Hallelujah! Take your Bibles if you will. Open them to. I know we have a couple others that are uh, uh, not. Um, uh, not afflicted with COVID, uh, but are quarantined because a loved one is. So just keep them in prayer as well. I'm going to take you to a little different book this morning, Lamentations. Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament right after Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. It's a fascinating little book that is somewhat of a negative uh, negative view of things, but that's because of the condition that Israel was in at that time. And we're going to go right into Lamentations, the first chapter. We're going to just start in verse 1 and read down probably four or five or six verses. We'll read, uh, we'll read enough of these, this first part of this book to get you really depressed. How's that? After, after we read these first several verses, you're going to say, wow, thank you, pastor, for I'm glad I came to church this morning. So, 
Uh, and the title of my message, very simply, is Help, I Don't Know Where I'm Going. Anybody ever been there before? Oh, Lord. Anybody there right now? Keep your hands down. <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, that's uh, Lamentations gives us some insight into how we get there and, and how we get out of it as well. But starting right off in verse 1 of Lamentations 1, how lonely sits the city. Now, this, of course, was after Jerusalem was being uh, judged because of their uh, turning their back on the Lord. How lonely sits the city that was full of people, how like a widow she is, who was great among the nations, the princess among the provinces, has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night, her tears are on her cheeks, among all her lovers she has no one to comfort her, all her friends have dealt treacherously with her, they have become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity, under affliction and hard servitude, she dwells among the nations. She finds no rest, all her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to set the feasts. All her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master, her enemies prosper, for the Lord has afflicted her because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy. Last verse. And from the daughter of Zion, her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture, that flee without strength before the pursuer. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, the, uh, th- this, actually, uh, this actually is going to be much more positive than, uh, than it sounds like, so don't get too worried. And the, the reason for the title is because a lot of times, like, uh, oh, before I forget, I just saw Wendy. Um, you'll notice in your bulletin as well, next week we are taking a special offering, offering per se. Gift cards, things like that, diapers. Are they diapered up? Do you know? Oh, he wasn't. Okay, so in the in the bulletin you see uh, diaper sizes and things like that, as well as gift cards. Many of you know the situation. You've probably seen it on the news. Her half sister lost her both of her legs uh, in an accident, and she's the mother of three and one and three and one year old. And uh, so they're just asking for help with that. So gift cards restaurants so they don't have to cook Walmart. Uh, I think if you get a gift card for a restaurant, they can Uber, right? Or they can, what's that called? Goody, go- DoorDash, you can DoorDash it and things like that. So uh, anything you could do would be a help. And we'll be collecting them all next week and we'll be giving them to Wendy and she will be delivering them to her. So, all right. Uh, so yeah, desperate, desperate situation. Uh, so the reason that, that we are using this title this way is not that we are totally wandering and bewildered and have no idea what we're doing. It's more so along the lines of that we are probably wandering and bewildered and have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> no, it, it's not. It, it's, it's dealing with the, the details in life. Uh, none of us really fully understand all the details in our lives. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? The unfolding of events in our lives that sometimes we just say, Lord, I just never expected that. I did, what in the world was that? Where did that come from? How am I in this place? Uh, so that's sort of what we're dealing with because we know, as the word says, we know in whom we have believed and we are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. We know that he has 
thoughts toward us that are good and not evil to bring us a future and a hope. We know all of those things. And so because of that, we will not stop. We will not stop. We will keep going. So we're talking about destiny this morning in all of our hearts and not not fate or kismet or whatever, but more so his design, his outcome, his plan, his intention, his purpose, the, the unfolding of his purpose in our lives. We want to keep moving forward. We don't want to stop and look back. We want to keep moving forward. And so we want to, we want to have that fulfillment, that maintaining of the divine purpose in our lives. And uh, we often think, as, especially in this passage, we often think that that, uh, that person destroyed his destiny because of his sin. And that's not necessarily true. Uh, it's actually in reverse. The person lost sight of his destiny and then destroyed himself in sin. And that's sort of what Israel did. They lost sight of who they were. They lost sight of the glory that God had given them, and they ended up fallen to pieces. And, and that's what we do. Many times we do not lose our destiny because we sin. We sin because we've lost our destiny. You know, the other way to put it is in scripture where there is no vision, the people perish. And you could reverse it. Where people are perishing, it's because they've lost their vision. They've lost their sight. They've lost vision and focus on Jesus in our particular example. One of the greatest examples of this, I just, I just love another example of why I'm so glad I'm not in the Bible and that other people are, because I wouldn't want people looking at my personal mistakes. But one of the greatest examples was David with Bathsheba. And, and, and it's so perfect because if you read the whole story, I'll just paraphrase it for you, it was the time of the year when kings went out to battle. What was David? He was a king. What did David, what was he noted for? Battle. That was, matter of fact, remember, he wanted to build the temple. And God said, no, because you're a man of blood. You're a man of battle. I need someone else to build the temple. So he was a king that should have been in battle. But what did he do? He did not fulfill his destiny. He stayed home. He stayed up late. He wandered around in the middle of the night looking at the wrong thing. (laughs) And he saw Bathsheba. And the rest of the story is nothing but death, lying, murder, adultery, heartache, and everything else. Because he was not fulfilling his destiny, what God had called him to do. He should have been out at battle with his soldiers. But he wasn't. But here's a better example, though, for us. A good example, and that is Jesus. Hallelujah. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame. He saw his destiny. He carried that through the horrors that he went through, and he brought it to his ultimate victory and purpose, which was to be resurrected and seated on the throne with the Father. So we have those good things. And and thankfully, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are with him. And that's our destiny. But we all know that a lot of times we're like David, right? We're like Israel, right? We lose sight of our destiny. You say, well, what happens when we do that? It's very simple. When we lose sight of who we are in Christ, when we lose sight of our purpose and our destiny, we literally step down from our destiny into something else. We we lose sight of the heavenly places and our focus and our attention suddenly becomes down here on earthly things, and then we lose our ultimate purpose. We start to wander, we get confused, we get bitter, we get angry, we get anxious, right? All those things sort of happen when we lose sight of who Jesus is. So, 
a good example for us would be in the natural. If I were to tell every one of you that there is a million dollars in the bank for you and you could all withdraw it, each of you, a million dollars on June the 1st. Okay, now you have a destiny, right? Now you have a purpose. June 1st is coming, right? But until that time, every one of you have to drive every speed limit 20, 25, 35, 45, 55, 65. You can't go over. Got to go through school zones nice and slow. And you could not consume more than 1,600 calories a day. (laughs) That's just two donuts, Jim. And you had to call your mother every day and tell her you loved her. She can't hear. Still had a caller. (laughs) Something tells me that by June 1st, we would have a lot of skinny folk with good driving records and a lot of happy moms. Because you would set your focus on that million dollars. And you would say, I'm going to do everything I need to get that. You would do everything in your power to fasten your vision on that goal. You would maintain that destiny that awaited you in the bank on June the 1st. How many know we have a destiny that's greater than a million dollars? We have a destiny that's reserved for us in heaven. And we've got to pursue that thing in spite of everything that's around us. The saddest verse in this, I think, in this whole thing comes in the next verse before we stop. Verse 7, that she forgot her destiny. Israel forgot her destiny. She forgot who she was. And you know what? All other sins can be corrected in our lives. But when you start looking back, as it says in verse 7, when you start looking back and remembering the days of old and your focus is back there, You lose your focus, you lose your sight, you lose your purpose, and now you've lost it all. How many know that it's really easy to trip when you're walking backwards? If you're just looking back the whole time, you're going to trip, you're going to fall. So, we can't lose our focus. And we are living, we are living in, I I don't know, maybe, I mean, I've only been alive for a short time on this earth, but I think we're living in the weirdest times ever weirdest times ever they are weird my goodness and and I'll, I'll be blunt with you and I've said it before I believe there is only one thing that is important in your life right now that is to I'll say two: keep your eyes on Jesus and your nose buried in the word I don't care what else you do in life. I, I, don't, I don't care if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. I don't care if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. I don't care if you drive a Chevy or a Ford or a Yugo. <laughs> I'd love to meet you if you're still driving a Yugo. That would be awesome. I don't care if you live north, south, east, and west side. I don't care if you pick this job or that job. I don't care what you do. I don't care who you're a fan of. I don't care any of those things. Are your eyes on Jesus and your nose in the word? That's the only thing that's going to do it. Only thing. Only thing. So, we've got to do that. So you say, well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, how do we lose sight of our destiny? Well, all through this, these several verses that we read and on down, especially in, in uh, verse 5 of what we just read, that her adversaries have become her master and her enemies have begun to prosper. One of the first ways that we lose sight of our destiny is enemies. Enemies. Enemies that divert our attention, 
enemies that drain our resources. When we start looking at our enemies, oh boy. (laughs) When we start looking and concentrating on the sickness, when we start looking and concentrating on the economy, on the jobs, this or that, or or whatever enemy is assailing us, when we start looking at that, all of a sudden we're going to find out that our resources begin to get drained spiritually. We get drier, we get deader, we get more afflicted, we lose sight of our source. The valve shuts off, the water stops flowing, and boy, we get in trouble. It drains us. So our enemies can drain us. The second thing that, that, that can drain us is in verse 7 that we just read, to, to look back. Oh, remember those days, Israel is saying. Remember those days, the days that are lost, the days that are gone. You know what? What God did in the past was wonderful, and what he's doing right now is miraculous, but what he will yet do is above and beyond what we can ask or even think. Oh, hallelujah. I love it. Last week we talked about Psalm 118, and there's that beautiful passage prophetically that speaks of Jesus, that the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is a day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, right now, right now, January 16th, 2022. This is the day the Lord has made. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Right now, I can say with full assurance that whatever is happening, this is the day that the Lord has made. Now is the day the Lord has made. Now is the time of victory. Now is the time of visitation. Now is the time of his outpouring. Now is the time of his blessing. Now is the time of his healing. I don't care about tomorrow. I don't want to know the past. Now is the time right now. Don't allow the past and the enemies to blur your vision because they can. Oh man, I know a lot of people that are stuck in the past. Wow. And they're not necessarily old. Unbelievable. Stuck in the past. Don't do it. So we lose sight of our destiny because of our enemies, because of our past blessings, and of course because of our sin that we mentioned earlier. And always remember that sin for a believer is not a breaking of covenant, it's more so a breaking of relationship. When I walk in sin as a believer, God still loves me, he's still looking after me, he's still hounding me by his spirit, but I tend to lose my relationship, lose that, that relationship blessing with him, don't I? I can't hear him. I can't see him. I guess the eyes get fogged over. Uh, and, and, and that's the danger of sin. So how do we lose our sight? We lose it through those things. And then what happens when we lose our sight and our destiny? I, I love, I, I love uh, a couple of times it says in here, she became a slave. She became a slave. When we, when we lose sight of our destiny, we enter literally into forced labor. Forced labor. You know, there's, there's a lot in the church today that is forced labor. We're trying really hard in the church. We're trying all sorts of programs. We're trying all sorts of things. We're trying to do this and to do that. And it, and it enters into almost a forced labor because we're not in tune with him. Jesus, uh, the word says it in Isaiah 55. Why do you spend money on that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. My, my brother-in-law sent me a text uh, uh, this morning. We always joke about this. And I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody here. Uh, <clears throat> you know, God bless you. But uh, he sent me a text of a, the new Jeep Grand Cherokee. $105,000. 
No, Wagoneer, I'm sorry, Wagoneer. The Wagoneer, $105,000. Hey, if you have that to spend, God bless you, hallelujah. I am glad. But you know what? Because he said that they, they put the payments up there, only 1400 a month. <laughs> For 72 months. <laughs> Do you know how fast those months would come? <laughs> Those months would be like four days long. Boom, there it is again. Boom. I, I, I'm not preaching against that. That's fine. If you want to do that, that's great. But, I, but I'll say this. It's still going to rust like everything else. It's still going to depreciate to $70,000 as soon as you drive it off the lot. It's still a vehicle. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that three years down the road, when the next biggest model of Wagoneer comes out, you're going to go, ooh, that thing is really cool. Mine doesn't have that. And you're going to go for the $122,000 model. <laughs> because that's, that's the way we do. We spend so much on things that just do not satisfy. Folks, we got to concentrate on spending stuff on this right here. This is your collateral. This is your asset. This is what will satisfy. This is what will keep filling you over and over again is the word of God. And that's what we need. And if we don't, then we suffer with in this passage, dissemination, loneliness, and no productivity. It all comes through the word. So that's what happens when we lose sight of our destiny. You say, well, okay, now, those, that's all sort of just the, the introduction two points to show us where we're at. So you say, well, now, how do we keep sight of our destiny? I, that's what I want to know. How do I concentrate on what God is doing in my life? And I believe it's just simply the opposite of point one, and that is, number one, do not allow the enemy to frighten you. God is on our side. What can man do to us? God is in control. What can, what can society do to us? We keep our eyes on him. Think about, I think one of the greatest examples of this is Jehoshaphat in, in the Old Testament. Remember the Philistines were going to attack and Jehoshaphat knew, knew very well there is no possible way <clears throat> that in our current condition we could defeat the Philistines. It's impossible. So the Holy Spirit inspired him with a bright idea, send the choir out. Right? Remember the story? And so Jehoshaphat took the choir, put them in their nicest robes, sent them out and said, sing praises. <laughs> what would I be singing praises? Wow. Sing praises. And Jehoshaphat's choir went out. Can you imagine how hard it must have been to keep your eyes off the enemy? You got this choir robe on. And there's the Philistines, because remember, battle back then was not like five miles away. Battle back then was probably at the end of this sanctuary. Could you see all those Philistines standing there with their swords and their shields, big, massive guys? And there you are with sopranos and altos. <laughs> in your choir robe watching that Philistine army it would, it would be the exact same thing if I stepped into the ring with Mike Tyson waving a Kleenex alright Mike I'm ready for you buddy come on <laughs> how, how do you defeat an entire army with fabric how does that work but they began to sing praise to God and God set ambushments against the Philistines and they turned on themselves and killed themselves and the choir was still singing. Hallelujah. 
Do not allow the enemy to frighten you. You will defeat the enemy with praise. You will defeat the enemy as David said to Goliath, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord God and I will destroy you and I will cut off your head. Do not allow the enemy to frighten you. There is no noise in battle. There is no noise that could ever frighten our God. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. His roar is greater than any sound of battle. His voice is stronger. His voice is as the sound of millions of gallons of rushing water, it says in the word. And his voice will drown out anything. Listen to Jesus. Don't listen to the enemy. So don't allow the enemy to frighten you. Don't allow that. And the second thing is, do not allow past blessings to control your vision of the future. Past blessings? You know, it was a pretty hard thing to beat the kingdom of Israel at its height. I mean, let's face it. Let's face it, they were, they were coming, they were coming uh, from, from uh, Queen of Sheba was coming, they were coming from Ethiopia and all around the world to come and see Solomon and this kingdom. It's the greatest kingdom of the day. But it was the past. It was the past. All of us, I was just talking to my wife this morning. I said, you know, sometimes I, I don't, I think, I, I know I allow the past to, to taint my fut- my, the vision of my future. Especially those of us who have lived through some of the big revivals that have occurred in this country, the healing revivals of the 50s and 60s, and, and, then, uh, and then the charismatic revivals and things like that, where we saw hundreds of people getting saved. That, it was a time, I know many of you know, it was a time when you would come to church and you would look around and go, how'd they get saved? <laughs> how did you come to church? Oh, I got saved at such and such. I got saved in this house group. I got saved over here. We were in that, in that time, uh, Roxanne and, and others of you in here, that in that time in Stamp Auditorium when wheelchair after wheelchair would be emptied and emptied and crutches would be thrown down and goiters would disappear and cancers would be gone. And we, we were that, part of that. And sometimes it's very easy to look back and say, Oh, God, why isn't that happening now? You know what? I don't know why it's not happening that way now. But I do know something, that God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. God is still doing something. And you know what? He hasn't told me. He hasn't cleared it with the Verzilli family. He hasn't cleared it with the board of Emmanuel. He's doing something. All I know, it was this God that said to Hosea, I will shake the nations and they will come to the desire of all nations, who is Jesus. And I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine and the gold is mine and the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple and in that place there shall be peace. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I don't believe that's talking about a physical temple here and there. I believe it's talking about this temple right here. He's going to fill these temples with glory like you've never seen. I believe there's an outpouring coming. What's coming? 
Glory's coming. Hallelujah. What's coming? Victory's coming. What's on the way? Blessing is on the way. What's around the corner? Deliverance is around the corner. Our God is a consuming fire. And I believe that we are on the verge of the greatest move of God in human history. I believe that we are seeing the overcoming manifestation of his divine authority and his divine presence. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what's happening around the world? We've got this happening. We've got economies collapsing. We've got all this corruption here and there. We've got all that happening. You know what? No, I don't see it anymore. I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of the C word. I don't care anymore. I'm tired of the government. I don't care anymore. I'm tired of the economy. I don't care anymore because the government and the economy never did one thing for me. Jesus has done it all for me my entire life. No one else has done that. I remember my mother and father telling me they didn't get a paycheck in the ministry. They didn't get a paycheck until I was in high school. My sister had already graduated. How do you raise a family you don't even get a paycheck? (laughs) My mother just said, we just trusted God. (laughs) Oh, those crazy people, they're just so kooky. Don't allow the past to block your vision of what God's going to do. He's got something in store for us that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for his people. And I know that means heaven, and I'm looking forward to that, but I believe it means something else right now too. Hallelujah. Praise his name. One last thing. Don't allow sin to block your fellowship with the Father. Keep your heart with all diligence, the word says, for out of it flow all the issues of life. That heart, keep that heart because out of it flows all the issues of your life. And in that heart, that's why David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we know that I'm pretty sure he wrote that after Bathsheba. (laughs) If only you would have written it before Bathsheba. But it gives us some insight, doesn't it? The word has to be down in here. Because if it's not, I will be so tempted to sin against him. So don't let the past frighten you. Don't let the enemy frighten you. Don't let your sin encumber you because God has a victory for you that is beyond what you can ask or even think. And we can learn it from our brothers and sisters in Israel. (laughs) But you know what? In spite of all that, in spite of all that destruction, in spite of all that heartache and despair, guess what? God still brought forth the Messiah, didn't he? Judah fell, Israel fell, went into captivity, the bloodline got perverted, the bloodline got polluted, all except for one little girl named Mary that was still pure. And God said, that's the one. And Jesus still came and fulfilled his purpose. So no matter what it looks like around us, God is still going to fulfill his purpose. He's still going to get the job done. And we're still going to be with him. Amen? Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you so much that all we have to do is keep our eyes on you. All we have to do is 
concentrate on, on what we sang earlier, that you love us. You love us. And we just need to be in that love relationship with you. All we need to do is just keep our eyes and our nose buried in this word, memorizing it, eating it, because this word is the bread of life. Not, it's not what goes into our mouth, Jesus said. It's what this bread of life does, how it nurtures us inside and brings about your growth and your strength in us. So help us to concentrate on your word. Help us to fasten our gaze on your word. And every step of the way, we're not going to be frightened by the noise of the battle. We're not going to be worried about the dread over here. A thousand will fall here and 10,000 will fall there. It's not going to come nigh us. But even if it does, we know you're going to prepare a table in the midst of our enemies. You're going to bring us through the valley to the mountaintop on the other side. And eventually, we know, we know, we have a temple in the heavens that is made not with hands, but with your spirit. And that's where we're all headed. We thank you for it, Father. We ask it and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise his name. Let's stand together. How many are glad we have Israel to look back to to give us these insights on how we ought to live? We've just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. In the weirdest times that have ever been, where our eyes are on Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Turn around. Bless somebody. Bless him in Jesus' name. You're dismissed into his presence.